Hello and welcome to the Economics of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Don Killingbeck. Very excited to have the Munetrics team here with us today. It doesn't get much better than that uh, to have Pete, Buzz, and Linda from Munetrics on our podcast today. They're going to talk a little bit about what they do and their impact on student achievement and learning and where economics and students come together. So to start off, I know all three of you fairly well, uh, well enough, but our audience probably doesn't know anything about you. So if we could start off, Buzz, you're kind of the captain of the ship and, uh, you know, people can't see you on a podcast, but, you know, immediately when you think, you know, here's a gentleman named Buzz, they get an impression of what that gentleman's going to look like, you know, army sergeant, you know, uh, shaved head back. That's probably the farthest from the truth. I, I talked to you a little bit beforehand and just said, hey, how did you get that nickname Buzz? And uh, um, I understand it involves your sister and and uh, uh, some neighborhood crush. But Buzz, beyond that, who are you? What do you do? Well, uh, thanks, Don, for the introduction there. That's pretty cool. And uh, I'm the co-founder of Munetrics. And, you know, my educational background was in finance and accounting, but early on in like the late 1970s, I was hired in to one of the six computer retail stores in the United States at the time. Uh, there was only six. Uh, and uh, I was supposed to be the controller. I was supposed to sit in the back room and uh, manage the books. And right about that time, the, the uh, owner, uh, Rick Anatome, he's become very famous uh, nationally. Uh, Rick handed me this little brown three ring binder and he said some friends of his out east gave him this thing and they, they want uh, him to tell them what they think of it. So he handed me what was VisiCalc. And our clientele changed overnight. Uh, our sales people out in front on the showroom were playing Sargon chess. And all of a sudden, three-piece business suits were walking in to buy computers and were talking debits and credits. And so the, our, our backroom accounting office be, really became a sales consultation office. And it just took off from there. So it was analyzing spreadsheets, analyzing accounting software for microcomputers. And, uh, and it really, what we do at Munetrics is the essence of an online database, but the Behind the scenes, the database is really built like an accounting system is built, where you have to defend the number and you know you have you have high level summaries, but all the detail behind it and be able to analyze and print reports. And so whether you're looking at you know MSTEP academic achievement scores or you know what did you pay for your buses, it's, it all comes down to analyzing data. And so that's really where my interest lies. And that's what kind of led to where Munetrix is today. So super sexy stuff. I mean, analyzing numbers, I mean, in a back room. And I could just imagine, you know, the late 70s, you know, all of a sudden you got all these uh, college age type kids, you know, in there. And then all of a sudden overnight, you know, men in three-piece suits start walking in and pulling stuff off the shelf. So very, very interesting start uh, to your career. Uh, Pete and Linda, you know, chime in. Who are you? Who are you two? And what's your role with Munetrics? So I'm actually the uh, director of client partnerships with Munetrics. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I come from a family of 28 educators. So I started off on myself to be a special ed teacher. 
and ended up getting laid off from the school district. And when I got laid off, I ended up uh, working as a loan officer at a mortgage company, which kind of got me into sales. And then a buddy of mine, it was funny, a buddy of mine got a, a 386, a DX386 computer that I thought was like, you know, the, the best thing in the world, you know. And so we started messing around with that. And then, you know, I went out and I bought a 486. And I remember him and I looking at each other and saying, man, I'm never going to have to buy another computer the rest of my life. So, uh, you know, it, it kind of turned from that to going, man, you know, wow, I, I really like uh, education. Um, but, you know, I really enjoy the computer aspect of it. And, uh, you know, so I, I got involved um, with a company called Scantron Quality Computers. And um, they were the, the, the developer of the Ram Fast 2 SCSI cards for the Apple IIe computers. So um, started working with them, and uh, I guess kind of like the, the rest is history. They, they sold to schools, and I've been working with schools now for 25 years. Uh, not you know directly in the classroom now, but more um, recommending and helping with software acquisitions. I'm Linda Kraft. I'm the Director of Customer Experience for Munetrics. Um, and I actually have a background in both marketing and education. I was a classroom teacher at the elementary level. And I was that teacher who was always using or infusing at the time was technology in my classroom um, and using a lot of data-driven data pieces to drive my instruction for students. When I left the classroom, I went into online learning, uh, really supporting professional development for online learning companies. And I worked uh, with Dr. Joseph Renzulli at Renzulli Learning out in Connecticut for quite a while around gifted education and actually kind of raising uh, interventions for kind of raising the tide across the um, entire school environment for raising up student achievement. And then from there, I moved on to working uh, in that professional development support role uh, with implementations at uh, Compass Learning and Edgenuity. And really, my specialty uh, began to be working with large urban school districts, like the School District of Philadelphia and uh, Chicago Public Schools. But I've worked with every size school district across the country, you can imagine, from uh, Mount Katahdin, Maine, <laughs> which is very tiny, uh, to, um, you know, Chicago Public Schools, uh, New York, and L.A. So uh, that's so, my background, and my job is to oversee our implementation team. So it sounds like today, you know, we kind of have the driver with Buzz. You know, he's driving the company. You know, we kind of, Linda, you must be like the engine behind, you know, underneath there, kind of making sure everything works. And then, Pete, I don't know if you're just a pretty face, uh, you know, along the way, you know, kind of wave people on, you know, maybe the beauty queen in the back of the convertible there. But it's, you know, today we have a really good group from Unetrix with us. Gonna, you know, the next part, I guess we're just going to kind of roll the ball out. and It'll be a little bit like dodgeball. So if you guys can just pick up the questions and kind of run with them, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to answer every question, but is a, a team kind of tackle these so what ways are schools like business? So what similarities are there between K-12 public schools and business? Uh, Don, I'd, I'd probably like to take a crack at that first um, because, you know, ultimately the school has to make tough decisions and balance a budget and they have to project what their revenues are 
and they can only spend what they take in. And so whether it's, you know, making decisions about how many kids they can bus based on how many buses they own and drivers and, uh, you know, the school schedule is dictated by the buses in many cases because they want to they want to try to make two or three runs in the morning and evening with the same bus. Um, so you have, you know, high school kids going early in the morning or whatever it might be. But uh, it, it all comes down to, you know, the budget dollars coming in and dollars going out and balancing in that and, so, and have to make tough decisions. Uh, about whether it's textbook or curricula or teacher salaries or benefits or how many buses you can buy. Uh, so, it, it, yeah, in a lot of ways, it's, it, it comes down to like a business. You know, I, I really like that response, Buzz. You know, I mean, it does come down. You mentioned earlier debits and credits. And so schools have bank accounts and there's debits and credits. And to run a school well, we obviously need to make sure that there's a few more credits than debits uh, at the end of the year and to, to keep in line with that. So that's a great, great way. So what ways are schools different, though? What ways are they not like business? I think that I think schools are different because it's almost like you have um, where a business has an owner, right? or a board of directors, you know, a school district has, you know, 1500 owners, right? It's, it, it's, it's the parents and families of all the kids they service. Um, so, you know, in some ways it, it's, it's, it's quite a bit different because you're having to, to, to meet the needs of all of the owners, um, all of your stakeholders in, in, in the community as well too. And that can be an arduous task. And I think that's where Buzz, you know, was even, you know, when, when Buzz was saying, how are they alike? I think it's having the, the, the data and information that they need that um, helps the successful districts move forward because, because they have to respond to so many people. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take that a step further. I think it's different from business in that, uh, you know, a big part of, of education is really building relationships with students and relationships are important in business too. But where it's a little bit different is in education, we're tasked with really developing the next generation, the next generation of leaders, the next generation of citizens, the next generation of entrepreneurs and engineers and, and whatever the new jobs of the future will be. So there's, um, there's a portion of that that is altruistic in a sense too. That's not, we're not just delivering content that students regurgitate. And if you talk to, you know, folks and ask them about uh, their most important experiences in school, they're not going to tell you it was doing a 50 page homework packet or, you know, um, reading certain books, certain textbooks or certain uh, pages from a textbook or even maybe even a lecture that a teacher gave, it's going to be the connection with that teacher, the fact that that teacher cared about them, connected with them, um, built that relationship with them, and supported their learning. But the relationship piece is what's going to come first. Uh, and, and then, you know, as a, a, a side piece of that, um, all the learning that happens when people reflect, they see a lot of it's because they had very creative individuals who cared about their well-being and their educational development, and really their development um, as a citizen and 
potential contributor to society. I really appreciate those answers because education is so complex. It's more complex actually than business. And I, you know, I think about all the people that we're responsive to, all the thing, the regulations that we have to deal with that are so complex. So as a company, you guys are the data people, you know, what is the connection between Munetrics and the data that you guys use and, and help schools with in the classroom? You know, how does your work connect to the teaching of like my child's fourth grade class? How do those two uh, work together? I'm going to let Linda, Linda answer you that probably one. could. Yeah, Linda yeah. would be best to answer that one. Absolutely. Yeah. Jeremy, so we'll I love how the guys are like, hey, we're not touching this one with a 10-foot pole. We're giving it to Linda. Uh, that, that's so her Linda, wheelhouse. It, it, it's, it is, it, it's what Linda does daily and is so great at. That's why it's like, you know what? That is Linda all the way. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, well, so I'll Linda, take that one. <laughs> so, um, well, this is how we, we connect to the classroom. Through our academic module, I think you can see the most direct connection. And then I'll talk about some other uh, more indirect connections from, from the system. But uh, the data in our academic module at Munetrics allows teachers to really look at student achievement across different assessments. They, they can also look at different types of data like perception survey data and really start to formulate an overall view of the whole child including demographic data, et cetera. So they can see data trends over time and they can use that data to help uh, really drive their instruction or target their instruction towards certain groups of students or certain individual students certain ways to make the most out of the time that they have with those students, be whatever the environment uh, might be, if it's you know virtual, face-to-face, -face, whatever the form of instruction. So from a an academic achievement standpoint, that data is readily available. They can also weave in attendance data and behavior data to kind of, again, get that whole child perspective. And then some of the other pieces that are more of the business side of the house that people don't always think about is that um, those data components we have in the system where we can start to look at that financial data and you can look at your staffing to pupil ratios and you can look at achievement scores in correlation to staffing to pupil ratios and how that proceeds over time uh, when you've increased when you've decreased are you overstaffed or understaffed in certain areas and you can look at your operations portions of the budget you know, you can look at different pockets where you're providing funding to see if certain programs are yielding greater results than other uh, areas, you know, based on the, the funding that you're allocating towards those. So it helps with developing um, at the district level, the budgets, right? And so just like in a business, the budget is the engine that keeps everything else running. Well, in a school, the budget is the engine that keeps everything else running. If there's no budget, everything else, the train just falls off the track. You know, it's, it's not gonna keep moving forward. So we have all those budgeting tools safety reporting, compliance reporting, transparency reporting tools that also helps the district office make sure that they keep things running smoothly and efficiently um, and, and keep things on track along with that academic component that connects directly to the classroom. So, you know, I kind of liken you, your team to that of Smokey and the Bandit. You know, we're on a rally race 
And, you know, you guys kind of help. You're like the CB, like, hey, up ahead, you know, there is a speed trap, you know, be aware. Um, or, you know, help guiding that conversation. You know, it's not so much of, hey, you should do X, Y, and Z. It's so much as, hey, by the way, over here, there's something you should look at. You know, I know for us, you know, we've worked with your team and, you know, you paint a picture of data, you know, you put up student achievement and we can see, okay, well, this is a, a grade with this many teachers. This is how many students, these are the results uh, versus over here, we're spending a hundred thousand dollars more and producing the same results. You know, it really makes uh, for a rich conversation for educational leaders to make informed decisions uh, along the way. So what is the role in, in this is, again, you know, this is kind of like that dodgeball and roll the ball out. You know, it'd be great to see maybe a rugby game is more the, the term, but would love to see you guys, you know, jump at this question is what is the role of financial resources with student achievement and learning? So how do those two intersect within your company's framework? I, I think you have to, when you look at finances and you look at student achievement, You've got to you've got to relate the two of them together because in in so many places, uh, investments that districts are making, they're making for the end result, and what that end result is is greater student achievement. You know, and 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 I can I give you a few examples. You know, if you decide that you're going to upgrade the lighting within a classroom because it provides a light that's more conducive to learning, right? If you do that. What you want to be able to do is is look at what the financial impact that is on your budget, but then you also want to study the three years of achievement before that, the three years achievement after you've implemented that, and look to see if where the gains are and, and did it really have the impact on achievement that you thought it was going to. You know, it, it's it's no different than you, if you decided to implement a a breakfast program in your district because you've got students that come to school that, you know, may not get that at home and everybody knows it, it's hard to concentrate if you're hungry. Right. So then it's looking at, you know, what did the, what did the breakfast program yield in the way of results and what did it cost? You know, maybe I got some money from the federal government, maybe I had to subsidize some of that, whatever. And then looking at, okay, great. You know, we spent, you know, 100,000, 200,000 or whatever the number is on that program. And, you know, if I look at the three years before I implemented that and I looked at my student achievement and I looked at the three years after that or however many years, it, to really see was there an impact on student achievement? Was there a, a, a bang for my buck, if you will? You know what I mean? It, um, it's no different than um, in that side. It's no different than a company going out and making an investment on something that's going to help streamline their process or help them, you know, execute a plan. Um, it's the same thing that you're doing. Your, your goal at the end of the day is to educate students, right. And give them an opportunity to succeed in life. And so it's a matter of looking at all the things you do with a lens and saying, you know, if I spend X here, what type of, uh, results am I going to see in the way of achievement over here? And, um, you know, not that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to plug them or anything, but 
Um, there is a uh, a tool that's out there that's done by the the GFOA. It's called the Smarter School Spending Framework. We actually built uh, that framework into our um, our process tool, and it's a great tool because it really brings together all of the different departments in a school district, from finance to operations to HR to everything, and it really talks about how each one of those departments impacts achievement. And, and they really do. And, and that's the way you've got to look at it because the end game is educating kids. Wow, Pete, that is a very good answer. So the next question, you know, if you, if you guys were the king or the queen for the day and you could structure schools any way you, you would like, what would look different? Don, I, I think, um, it, you know, actually my wife is a retired teacher of about 30 years elementary school, and, and I would go in quite a bit, you know, help chaperone trips and whatnot. I'd, ma I'd make popcorn turkey during Thanksgiving time, and in the back in the days when you could bring food into the classroom, you remember those days? Um, but uh, I, I think there, we've come, come to this, this uh, you know, the pendulum swings and more and more control is taken away from the teacher. And I think in many cases, the teacher knows best what for that student. And so we're, we're going through this time now, and this is my opinion, that, you know, all teachers have to be teaching the same curriculum at the same time and you have to be on the same page in the book and et cetera and move kids along as a group. And sometimes the teachers say, you know what, these, ki these kids just need time to play. And th there's been sort of a, a, a reluctance to permit that. And we're, we're pushing more and more curriculum further and further down the grade level, wh where it's almost becoming inappropriate uh, at the level of which it's being taught. And I, I just, my opinion, I just think there needs to be more control for the teachers in the classroom. So let me get this right. So the data guy, the guy that grew up playing with the abacus is saying kids need more play. Kids need, teachers need more control. Is that correct, Buzz? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really believe that. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's refreshing to hear. I mean, it really is. I think also when you think about districts is kids need – earlier access to real world uh, scenarios. And what I mean by that is they, you know, they need earlier access to the different types of, of jobs and the different types of skills that they're going to going to learn later in life. So any parting words for our listening audience? I guess my one thing I would say is data should never make your job harder. It should always make your job easier. And if it's not, you know, reach out to to, to a data expert because it, it should definitely reduce your workload. And, and that's what we preach all the time. If we're not reducing somebody's workload, then we're not doing what we should do right. And I'm sure Linda's got some some comments on that. But it, um, to me, that's the biggest thing. Data should be should be make, should make your job easier, not harder. Yeah, I agree. Uh, data should really be kind of a discussion uh, starter or kind of instigator or something that supports um, 
should be able to help support the decision-making process. So it should make that decision-making process a little bit easier, but it does, it, it itself, data does not make the decision for you. So, um, you know, it should empower educators and educational leaders to make really uh, thoughtful decisions and have great discussions and also maybe uncover things that you can't see under the surface without the data as well. So you may see some things in data that will lead to asking certain probing questions that then opens up kind of a new uh, avenue or opens up a different area where you realize, oh, there's either some challenges or some great things occurring that we want to tap into to um, use across the district or across the school. So like Pete said, any system that you use should make data easier to digest and um, should help you to be able to easily see those areas or easily have those discussions or support those discussions and should reduce your workload and just kind of streamline things. You know, it uh, used to be that we'd spend hours and hours and hours with spreadsheets, you know, dicing and slicing the data 50 different ways. It was exhausting after four days of doing that, you really just didn't even wanna look at the results because you'd been sitting in the midst of the raw data for so many years, or not years, but so many days. Um, but now with powerful tools like Munetrics, you, know, you can just within a couple seconds flip through filters and see various graphic and even charted uh, table data that can help you to really then have really productive, thoughtful uh, discussions or uh, look at things to confirm what you think might be going on or uncover things you may not even be aware of, so. Fantastic. Buzz, any parting words? Uh, just that uh, we have great uh, respect and support for our educators. I know the the public tends to have all their opinions about what should be done and how it should be done. But, uh, I mean, all in all, it's, uh, it's an incredible profession, and I just respect it so much. And I think, um, you know, our, our teachers and administrators need to know that they're really doing a good job with the resources they're given. Well, thank you, Minetrics team, for joining me on Economics of Learning. Really appreciate your time and energy today, and I'm sure our audience does as well.